welcome back to another episode of the King Gamer Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Tristan. Uh, ben and Luis are back yet again. How are you guys doing today? Not bad, not bad. Doing okay, waking up. Yeah, Luis, you're going to, hopefully you can make through this episode without falling asleep. <laughs> you stayed until what, four? Four, you said? yeah, yeah, four. Let's uh, start playing Valheim. <laughs> okay. Hey, at least you have a valid excuse, dude. I've been playing Valheim, and uh, since I, I actually just got my PS5, so I've been playing the fuck out oh, of Oh, uh, you found one? Yeah, I got one. Uh, uh. The audience can't see this, but I have my controller right here. Yeah, I'm showing you. Yeah. yeah, dude, I've been playing so much Demon Souls. Oh my god, yeah. So You look like a giddy child. It's so cute. Oh, dude, yeah. It's, it's, it's so great. Exciting. It's so, oh my god, I lost it. Oh my god, and I'm going to have a TV up mounted behind me uh within the next day or two and then oh god 4k hdr you know the works you know oh man i can't wait very jealous please please (laughs) tell me you got it at a retail price and not a scalper i dude scalpers can go to hell uh so no i got it through uh gamestop actually they had they had a bundle um oh you like the stunk and yeah game stonk and uh and uh it was supposed to arrive this Friday. It then came, uh, I think, uh, Saturday, I think it was, that it came. So it came a little bit earlier, or Sunday. Yeah, it was Sunday that came. So a little bit earlier. So if you're looking for a PS5, just keep trying. You'll get there, I promise. <laughs> so it's almost a week early. Yeah, yeah, That's seriously. Amazing. It was nuts. Nice. Um, I, I did not expect it to arrive. My mom was like, "Hey, uh, you have a package? I think it's your PS5." I'm like, "No way!" And then <laughs> you have a package. It won't fit through the door. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously, it's, it's, so, it's big. so big. I was just telling Ben before you came in here, Luis, that it's uh, about this big. It's like it's like not even an inch tall, uh, shorter than my monitor. My monitor is Whoa. just barely taller. It's nuts. Damn. Yeah, yeah, I know. Seriously. I know it's big. I know it's big, but I know I'm not gonna get a sense of use how big until I see it in person. And I haven't. Yeah, for sure. But we have a pretty exciting show for today. We have the Elden Ring trailer that leaked today. We also have EA delaying Need for Speed to help Battlefield, and of course, E3 was trying to have a live show but got canceled. And then we'll be talking about banned and censored games around the world. Let's get right into the Elden Ring trailer that got leaked. We have an article right up on Keen Gamer by Alex Anifantis. I messaged him to ask him how you properly say his last name because it seems very simple, but I was tripping myself up. I'm going with that because he didn't get back to me. Uh, if I mispronounce his name, that's on him for not replying to me. Anyways, uh, so uh, this was posted by a Twitter user uh, at ER Countup, Elden Ring Countup, essentially. Uh, they posted an extremely low quality video or trailer of Elden Ring, showed off some cinematics and gameplay and whatnot, stirred up a huge reaction because people have been dying for this game, like any from software title. Um, there's been even false reports that we're getting an official reveal at Xbox's event at the end of this month. And Aaron Greenberg from Xbox is like, nope, not happening. And then I know Jason Schreier and a couple other journalists have been like, hey, People are saying it's going to come out this year. It's not going to happen. They're, apparently, their development, like most companies, has been just wrecked by COVID. So um, expect Elden Ring to be a little bit further down the road because of everything that's going on. But, um, you know, Ben, you were jumping out of your skin to talk about this. Even before the podcast, <laughs> I had to stop you because you're going to use up the whole discussion. But, dude, what's your uh, what's your thoughts on this? Yeah, no, I I couldn't be more excited for this game really um the last kind of five years have just seen me dive into a rabbit hole of from software games even though i've only played like three of them but i played them over and over again and got quite obsessed and i think um it's really sad to see it leaked like this the first actual like footage not just a cg trailer in the worst quality possible through like this frenzy of people on twitter just rabid for this game and I mean, it was only announced a year and a half ago and it'll probably be out in a year. So like, let's say it's a, th- a three year wait time from announcement to release. That's pretty good. From Software doesn't like sit about and, you know, if you look at the release later, dates of game. their games, they, they put out games within a year or two, more or less, yeah. maybe three years. It, they have a pretty good, you know, turnout. It's just people do realize we're in a pandemic. So yeah. this game is going to be a little bit longer and people, man, I've seen some 
dumb takes on Twitter of people who are not in this industry at all and are like, I want this game. We've yeah. we've been, you know, we haven't heard anything in three years. He goes, dude, the game wasn't even announced three years ago. What are you talking <laughs> about? You know, it's just like yeah. people are going what? crazy. He's, he's kind of true. We have, we didn't hear anything three years ago. So yeah, we haven't heard anything. For three <laughs> yeah, years, but... <laughs> actually, that person is correct. Yeah. yeah. But no, Seriously. I think um, I think I I watched the trailer. So if if anybody's on, you know, complete blackout from Elden Ring news, kind of skip forward a bit. But it looks exactly like I expected it to look like. There's dragons. There's horses. There's fantastical landscapes. There's a, the even the one bit of quote we get over the thing. It's like. The quote is, I can only imagine what drives you to seek the Elden Ring. I suppose you can't be turned. I suppose you can't be talked into turning back very well then. It sounds like every FromSoft Dark Souls game, which is yeah. you're, you're tasked with doing something and there's lots of people around you saying it's going to be really difficult. You probably shouldn't do it. And then you yeah. can do it anyway. So it sounds exactly like what I want, like Dark Souls, but maybe more written or more fleshed out or just a new universe. Like, I can't wait. Yeah, for sure. Hey, Luis, what's your what's your take on it? Yeah, it looks great. I haven't uh, really seen anything as far as media, like any uh, photos or any videos of it. Uh, I was kind of saving myself because I don't I don't want I don't like getting hyped. I, I, I've learned from your mistakes, and <laughs> I just rather uh, get interested in a game once the release is closer, unless I have to write a piece on it, of course. Um, but um, I think it looks amazing. Uh, I, well, I don't know what I was expecting, but it actually looks a lot like something I would like to play. It, I mean, it is a Souls-like, right? If I'm not yeah. mistaken. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it looks great. Uh, the fantasy setting looks uh, great on the trailer, even though it's uh, very low quality. And I'm just a little concerned about the uh, ring narrative here because of obvious reasons. That's something like of a taboo um, sort of try to avoid team between uh, fantasy writers for obvious reasons. And let's see how that works out. I mean, I think it's written by R.R. Martin, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he's co-writing it, yeah. Co-writing it, okay. Uh, well, I mean, I guess that's, that's a good thing. Uh, the books of Game of Thrones are infinitely better than, than the series. And I don't know, I'd still root more for Patrick Redfuss, but that's only, that's only me. And yeah, mm. I mean, I think it looks great. Um, I will most likely be playing this once I get a PS5 too, I guess. Or is it coming to PC? Yeah. Uh, so it's announced right PC. now for PS4, Xbox One, and PC. There's no news oh, okay. about next gen. So I'll I'm play on that. PC. I'll yeah, they'll definitely do a next gen version of this trade. If it's if it's not coming this year, when it launches, it will have yeah. next gen. Even it's if it launched fantastic. like this year or last year, it would a next gen version would come either way yeah I, th I think you know um i'm but, super stoked though from software i think is one of the best studios out there they just knock it out of the park with such high quality games um miyazaki is just an absolute genius dude he's just a mastermind and he's just yeah it his ideas are just nuts he's just his brain is on another planet that no one else is on you know and him teaming up with george R. R. martin's pretty cool and stuff like that even though george should you know finish up his iconic book series instead of working on all these different things but you know let the guy do his thing i guess but I mean, uh yeah i think i think it looks to, really cool would you say ben it's hard to tell how involved he is though as well like yeah we don't yeah i, they, I kind they of say imagine that, like he, there's a few phone calls I, I doubt he's like sat in a writer's room for the last two years yeah like, because i imagine they just call him every now and then knowing and how slow he works slightly. too we wouldn't get this game in like 10 years <laughs> if he was really the, the sole writer or yeah. writing a huge chunk of it or whatever you know miyazaki got bored of waiting so was like i'll just write it all myself yeah, because never mind this was a mistake all right let's let's just speed yeah. this up you know <laughs> um yeah i think it looks super cool though yeah Hopefully we get something official soon. Of course, there's that Xbox thing that is not going to happen, but maybe sometime later in the year, maybe the summer or maybe in the fall, somewhere in there, there's going to be plenty of events, stuff like that. I think um, Bandai Namco trademarked a name Bandai Namco Next, which all the rumors are pointing at saying it's going to be like an event, a showcase for stuff they make. And obviously Bandai Namco is the FromSoft publisher. So them, you know, trademarking it and then this leaking these things could be all close together for a reason maybe. oh wow that that's interesting i didn't know about that that i yeah, yeah that would be really cool actually so it'd be an interesting thing because 
you know, even if you look at last year, everyone had their own event and stuff like that, you know, and yeah, Bandai, you know, why not? Because we're not going to get an E3. Oh, speaking of E3, <laughs> we have some E3 news. Wow. What a great segue. That was uh, so we have a seamless. So it, there will be a digital E3, but not a live E3 as it was canceled. This was reported. I have an article pulled up from Kotaku by Zach. Zweizen. I hope I pronounced his last name correctly. I'm horrible about that. Um, so this is spotted on Reset Era by user Rosty, Rosty, something like that. Uh, so new f- filed uh, documents from the Board of Los Angeles Convention and Tourism Development Commission. Uh, also, they put up this uh, whole thing of some events that aren't are or are not going to happen. And a live E3 showcase for this year was on there as canceled. So, and it kind of goes with the reports that because the ESA, I think we're already planning for a digital event. Um, unlike last year where they just thought it canceled it and nothing happened. And then there was some other drama with Jeff Keighley and then all these other events started popping up. You know, it was a whole thing. But um, Luis, though, what do you uh, think about E3 going digital and and whatnot well i think it was kind of expected right i wasn't really uh expecting to have a an in-person event either uh this year and the fact that it's not going to be live i think that's smart i guess i think an, an event that size can have a lot of things go wrong if you try to do it live so i think playing it safe is the best bet especially now that since everybody's going digital and everybody can do their own um, show or showcase or whatever uh, E3 is not no longer that relevant. Maybe it will be again once uh, this whole uh, pandemic situation blows over. Uh, but I think they're uh, either playing it smart or doing the only option they probably have at this point. Uh, ben, what about you? I was quite surprised to even hear that they were planning to do one. I guess there's probably things they put in for contingency, like to make sure in case they can go ahead with it. But I don't know how far ahead they were with the overall plans of doing it. Cause I think anybody looking at the world, especially the hardest hit countries like places like in America, it's, it's kind of mad that anybody was putting any money into the idea of having a live event where tens of or hundreds of thousands, I don't know how many people go to be through, but even that they were thinking about it and, and preparing for it, it just seems mad to me. And E3 is like dying a death. Like last year, everybody jumping ship. Like Sony's not been there forever. Jeff Keighley jumped ship because of creative differences, whatever that means. Like E3 is in a big mess. And then they were like, you know, we'll fix it. We'll do a big event in the year of COVID. <laughs> like, I don't know about that. So yeah, it's I'm like, glad they're not doing it, but it's mad that they were preparing or planning. Dude, it's absolutely mad because it's like, who thought, okay, let's do a live event in Los Angeles? Uh, No, like no, nowhere in that area, nowhere in California or most of America, or if all of America is a terrible place to have an event and most of the world still has it, at least in the, especially in the Western world of world, you know, where we're all at too, is just like, it's a complete mess. You know, I think it is interesting. The fact that we're still getting E3 in terms of a digital event, purely because there was so much talk yes um last year that e3 is just done for because i guess they've had a lot of financial issues for quite a while now and there's all these other issues like with jeff Keeley, who ended up making his own uh event what was it summer of gaming or something like that i don't know summer, yeah, summer games fest that's the one i was getting confused because ign had their own something summer, summer game something or whatever and i'm like this is i'm like why couldn't you just yeah ch- it, have a different name this is too confusing i can't tell which one's which why, why didn't they team up and just do one big event without e3 that would have been much easier <laughs> yeah and say so we got like a thousand events i just no matter what happens i just want one maybe just maybe a couple maybe like three or four different events like last year though i couldn't keep track it was like like mm. every like almost every week it during the summer was and some kind of event whether it's some big thing or some smaller thing there's always something going on it was just way too annoying and just way too yeah. much to even try and focus on it's nice getting think, to get um, e3 experience but i don't think we need e3 in itself we just need some nice event to kind of put all everything together and then deliver it within a weekend or a week or whatever and then then you have the rest of the summer of not having to focus on big event after big event after big event. So I, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. You know, I think there's definitely a template of 
doing these though, like I said, you know, of all these digital events that happened last year and they've had a year to kind of plan things out. So hopefully they have it together. You know, hopefully they have something really cool to show and that's worth it. Um, but I don't know, maybe people have a new perception. Maybe developers and publishers also have a new perception of doing these events and are like, well, it's very expensive to do an E3 uh, thing. Maybe it was cheaper doing our own thing or doing uh, Jeff Keeley's thing. And so maybe people won't even show up for E3 just because they're like, eh, it's not even worth it, even for a digital thing. So yeah, no, we'll I have think, to just um, wait and see. What are you going to say? E3 is like six six figures to have an E3 showcase or have, an, have a press conference there. I yeah. don't know. I, I think I may be misremembering this, but I think there were reports last year when they were preparing the digital conference that it was still six figures, even though it was digital only. So like they do charge a lot for the premium of having this kind of marketing week for them. And I think everybody's realized like Ubisoft had fought their forward, EA had EA Play. And I feel like some like Ubisoft forward and EA Play for these two companies, massively successful because they're normally like this the sideshow of E3 next to Microsoft and PlayStation. Yeah. They got to have a, a few days, maybe even a week of news to themselves. Like I watched all of those shows whereas any other e3 year i'd watch microsoft nintendo and playstation because they'd all do stuff around then and i'd ignore the other ones and wait for you know a news report on it to let me know if there was anything interesting so um i, I imagine that e3 is going to be much more influencer based like you'll see a lot of ninja maybe that's what i'd imagine oh god yeah that is probably yeah. going to be one of the things that that are going to end up changing with the pandemic situation. I think this might be the beginning of the end for the all-time uh, E3. Uh, developers are realizing that they may not actually need an actual uh, physical stage to reach their fans if they could do their own their own show. Um, the bad part of that, or the bad side of that, is that it gets to be a little bit too much. Like you were saying, Tristan, like um, shows or showcases everywhere uh, or any or at any given time. Uh, so that can be a bit, or I can, can get a, a bit congested, I guess. Um, but maybe some of these are going to start moving digital and stay digital and do it themselves instead of paying uh, for for the for the showcase at, at E3. And if that's the case, then maybe this um, year being pre-recorded instead of live, it's probably going to be, uh, like I said, the beginning of the end for the uh, typical E3. What's there besides E3 that's all that size? Uh, BlizzCon maybe? That can survive on its own, probably. Gamescom in Germany is massive. Yeah, I think yeah. Gamescom's the biggest one. Attendance, I think Gamescom is actually more than E3. Yeah, I think E3 just gets more clicks, essentially. But also, Gamescom's still much more consumer focused. Like E3 tried to push in that direction, but never got anywhere near Gamescom. Like Gamescom's huh. hundreds of thousands of fans. Yeah. Like whereas E3 only recently stopped being like a, a trade show and started being a consumer showcase. And that shift is kind of like, I think why people like Jeff Keighley jump ship. Cause there was like the leaked documents from last year that they were preparing to be an influencer festival or something like that. And talking about like getting sports people and like goodwill activations, I think was a phrase to mean like doing good things because people our age like that. And I was like, I remember all these leaked documents thinking, whoever is at the ESA, they obviously have money, but with all their interesting partners jumping ship, they do not know what to do. So I don't know what E3 will be this year, but I do not have any excitement for it at all. Whereas every other year I would be thrilled that E3 was coming around. Yeah. And I just like Jeff Keighley. I think he knows how to innovate and make things better. Like if you look at the game awards, it's how it gets better every year. I just like, mm. I'm like, man, this is going to be hit whatever event he does this summer. I assume he's going to do another one of those um, summer game fests. So if he does another he one, it'll be even better than last year. And yeah, I, ca I can't wait for that. You know, but E3, yeah, no, he, eh. he said he's going to do another summer games fest. So we'll Sweet. see how that goes. I'm, well, I'm all in for anything Jeff Keighley. I really like him, and I think he does great work. So, absolutely. Very cool. Um, so, our final news story, though, uh, we actually – initially, I was going to use another uh, news report, but actually, as of, like, literally just a couple minutes ago, I published um, Russell Fawcett's uh, article on the next need for speed being delayed to 2022, and the developer uh, criterion will actually be assisting uh, DICE to work on the next battlefield. So – Basically, how it kind of went down is they kind of this was initially reported actually by Polygon, um, I believe, 
and so pretty much EA announced that the Need for Speed game that they're working on, it's getting pushed. That COVID has been a hellscape for everyone, like we mentioned all earlier. And a part of that is actually affecting the next Battlefield game, which it's been a little bit since the last Battlefield. And they really want to make sure that hits this fall, um, sometime this fall. So they've managed to delay the, uh, um, the Need for Speed game and then have uh, have them come and help DICE. It's actually going to be... They have actually have, have worked on this type of stuff before. They've actually have helped them on Star Wars Battlefront and with Battlefield, uh, like early, early Battlefield games. So they do have some experience with like shooters and stuff like that too. So I think it's a pretty good fit. And hell, you got to manage your resources and your teams to assist you know major projects and stuff like that you know like need for speed's not like a household you know uh franchise like it used to be you know and unlike battlefield which is still you know pretty heavy uh hitter for the first person shooter genre so uh ben what do you think about that yeah i think it's a good idea um i think ea just bought codemasters as well so codemasters are a great english I really love yeah, racing games. Yeah, and that, and that played into great. it too because I believe that's going to come. I think they said that that game is going to come out within fiscal 2022, and then they're like, roughly for um, um, Need for Speed, it'll be like fiscal 2022, 2023. Like they're going to make sure mm. those two games have a little bit of a gap in because they bought Codemasters. Like, all right, we already have a racing game in the works. Yeah, you guys go help the Battlefield devs. And also, Codemasters make better racing games than Criterion have been. Ooh, Criterion made used fired. to. No, no, Criterion used to make the best with like Burnout and stuff. But Need for Speed has always been all right. It's been fine, but it's not. Yeah, like you said, it's it's waned in popularity and it's not really innovated or become interesting. Whereas Battlefield has really struggled after Five um, or V. Like I love Battlefield One, as in the the one that came before five. <laughs> Um, but then Battlefield V or five was was fine, but it was a bit uh, half baked. I think it wasn't anywhere near as engaging in the multiplayer one, at least from my experience with it. So um, I think, especially as Call of Duty just seems to have had a great last few years, really, really improving. Battlefield can't really falter because everybody's going to shift over to Call of Duty because I think that's normally the general discussion is: Do you play Call of Duty or do you play Battlefield? And I think they uh, they should focus on making Battlefield as good as it can be, not having all the bugs that Five had when it came out, and just kind of doing that because a Need for Speed game doesn't need to come out <laughs> ever. Yeah, just put, out, put it, out an F1 game. Wasn't it Battlefield Four that was completely broken too? Like that one was like an utter disaster when that game launched too. And uh, sure. that was quite a while ago, that one, because I don't think I played much of it. Oh, really? Yeah, that one. Yeah. That one. I don't remember hearing anything about five. Five, I think, I think the latest one was just like people were just underwhelmed and just like, well, yeah. all right, whatever. Um, Battlefield one was good enough. But then, um, but yeah, Battlefield four, I think, also really hurt them because they, it was, that game was utterly broken for months and months. Mm. I, um, it took them forever to fix that game and get it up and running. But, uh, Luis, yeah. what do you think about the story? Well, my understanding on the Battlefield franchise is that the good ones are Battlefield 3 and Battlefield 1 that came after 3, that one that I was mentioning too. Uh, that's what I know. It's like the good games, the ones that are worth playing. I think I played one. I'm not a, I'm not big into F- FPS or, or racing for that matter, um, unless it's like Borderlands, I guess. And... What I believe may have happened with four or, or five or whatever came after after one, it's probably what happened with uh, Assassin's Creed Black Flag that came and totally eclipsed what came before and what came afterward. And I think that's expected when you when you have a when you make a great game. I mean, these guys um, hit gold with Battlefield One that I that my friend says is the, the best one. And then I, I guess they're going to have a hard time uh, reaching that high again. And I think that's normal. That's expected. And th- there has to be one game in a franchise that's uh, the absolute best, you know, uh, per se. And I think I do agree. I mean, if I was going to play either a Need for a Speed or a Battlefield, I guess with my friends, it would be a Battlefield. So I think it's fine that they're working uh, more on that front than on a Need for a Speed. Um, 
because even though I'm not into FPS, I still rather play an FPS or, uh, than a racing game. That's just me. Mm. Yeah, I actually really like Battlefield. I've always liked the more realistic approach to it and the destruction, the chaos of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I did kind of fall off, though, because I, I played 4. I actually played a lot of 4, actually. Um, I did... I should say, I played a lot of 4 after the chaos that was the uh, it being a broken mess, you know? Um, and then Battlefield 1, I played a good bit of, but it didn't quite grab me. And then I, I played like five minutes of uh, Battlefield 5, the latest one, just because my brother got it and he played the hell out of it. And I'm like, oh, how is this? And I played it like a couple matches. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm good. But I want to come back to the franchise. I, I, lo- I loved my time with it back in the day and such. Like Bad Company 2, I think is one of the greatest first person shooters like ever made. I love Bad Company 2. I wish they would just make Bad Company 3, to be honest but i think it was super cool and i i hope they were able to really pull it off it seems like they're really taking it seriously they really want to reinvigorate the franchise and i hope they can manage that and i think it's smart to move your resources move your you know move one development team to go help out you know this other team and whatnot especially people who have some experience with that stuff so i think it's a smart move i hope it works out um i just i just want a good battlefield game that's all i want and fingers crossed no, I, but i i love bad company too as well bad company was the thing that got me into shooters yeah that game was like next level and like remember that first bad company came out that was such a game changer for me because like i had never experienced anything like that game and i was like this is like the most realistic game ever made and all that stuff you know <laughs> like i'm sure it that hasn't aged that well but still like i yeah, I, I hope something can capture that magic, even if it's not like a bad company Battlefield game, but instead it's still going with the ter- uh, the trend they're going for. But still, like I, I'm excited. I hope they I hope they stick the landing. Hopefully. But... Yeah, and and maybe like Luis, it does yeah. make sense that Battlefield One was so good, and it was like really like kind of the best shooter that had come out from Dice, I think, in ages. I loved it so much, and the campaign was so good. I kind of get that it's hard to hit that home run twice in a row, kind of thing. So maybe that's why Five disappointed so much. Yeah, I feel like Five came out and no one talked about it. Like it was the first Battlefield game that no one talked about, good or bad or anything. It was like I just yeah. didn't. It just came out and yeah. people were like, "Oh, yeah, it came out." The only conversation I remember was about the battle royale mode. I've, I've, got, I've forgotten what the mode they called it, but they. The only media, the only like talk I heard was, oh, they've delayed the Battle Royale for Battlefield 5. So they put the game out without the Battle Royale. And because that's all that people were talking about, I think no one really cared. Cause yeah, I think I... if it just was bad timing and just sometimes you just get bad luck. Sometimes it's just because of other games coming out or what's the trend lately or whatever just can, can kind of screw you over. And you're like, oh, well, yeah, our game didn't. I don't know what the sales numbers are. I, I hope it sold well. You know, um, it sucks when you. Put out, you work hard on a game and it doesn't do I think well. it was like three or four million. Oh, okay. Which is good, but not for Battlefield. That's like really bad for Battlefield. So. Yeah, it's always lower than Call of Duty, but it's still, it's it's higher than your average game, you know? Mm. But we'll see. Hopefully, fingers crossed for this fall that we get um, I hope we actually see something soon. I hope uh, in the next couple of months we actually get to see like a tra- at least a trailer or something because we've gotten literally nothing. Mm. All we've gotten is, yes, it's coming. And then go, okay, but what's the setting? What's this and that? And they go, just you, just, you wait. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> so we'll see. But uh, let's get to our main topic. We're talking about, all about banned and censored games and whatnot. It's something it's, it is interesting because it's like depending where you live, this topic is completely different for you. Um, you know, I'm in the U S and it's just like game developers can put out whatever they want. You know, there's no real restrictions and stuff like that. Sure. We have our taboos and stuff like that, but because of our first amendment game developers can't be restricted. I know there's a guy, there's a lawmaker in Ohio, I think who's trying to pass a, a law to ban violent video games. And everyone's like, yeah, there's already a, a court case about this, um, from years ago. And that, kind of determined hey video games are protected speech you can't censor them and stuff like that so the u.s it's not much of an issue um what's it like in the uk and for mexico uh ben let's just start with you yeah so over here it's pretty similar uh except we don't have uh, any uh you know constitution to hold things up by 
in general though nothing is really censored uh, other than like hate speech and i think in we also have kind of a lot of people trying to let our mps know things that should be looked at so we have a lot of uh, the time mps are talking about things like loot boxes so they are aware of games and they are trying to fix things that are bad in games and change them but they're not you know trying to say your oh, gta is violent let's stop people playing it that's not really part of discussion very much at all yeah i know a lot of a lot of europe especially in the uk have been ahead of the curve on handling loot boxes and microtransactions mm. and that sort of thing the us is lagging behind i know there's been some states in the us that have tackled it but um nothing really concrete over here but regarding yeah. censorship and bans and whatnot Luis, what's mexico like uh, so actually, I was actually kind of surprised. Um, I was telling you before the podcast that I intend to begin a personal podcast in Spanish about censorship in general, um, not only for games, but for books or for uh, literature in general, not only books, um, music, whatever, because I was sort of under the wrong impression that Mexico would have had a lot of banned content. Uh being quote-unquote a catholic country it's not it doesn't it doesn't go with catholic laws but it's very much known as a catholic country and when i started doing the uh, i guess what you'd say the preliminary research for this uh, podcast that i'm kind of putting together now i came to find out that it actually is the exact opposite we don't really have a lot of censorship and i guess that has a lot to do with the fact that there are essentially any games that have been made in Mexico. So I guess that's why it's kind of uh, slipping through the cracks there. Um, however, I did find one particular instance. Uh, there's, there, there was a game a while back that's called Call of Juarez. You know, yes, you... I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, I, I never played it, but it's, uh, I think it's supposed to be a gunslinger kind of Wild West kind of. Yeah, I think the first two were Westerns, and then they made a third game about the drug cartels in Mexico or, or somewhere yeah. in that region. Yeah. Well, it's actually in Juarez, uh, the city right, that's right here, uh, like four hours away from me. That was back in 2009 or 10, uh, branded as one of the or maybe the most dangerous city in the world to live and so the government of my state actually locally they actually banned it because of the way it was being portrayed so that's like the only instance i could find of something being actively uh banned by the government there were some other cases where uh some people were trying to ban games uh for your uh typical reasons of causing violence and whatnot uh, that never really took a hold or anything. Uh, only this one that I found that's pretty local to me. And I, I find it really weird because it was apparently banned. And although I never played it, I know people that had it. And it wasn't really talked about the fact that it was banned. Like nobody, I don't think anybody knew that it was banned. And like people still played it. It wasn't like, it wasn't enforced essentially. Like maybe they couldn't sell it in the state, but you can go to any other state or maybe to the to the U.S. and buy it there and bring it over, and that's not gonna be a problem. Like it is in some other countries where uh, if they find you maybe with something that's supposed to be banned, that can be complicated. So yeah, essentially Mexico um, is not as bad as I would have thought, uh, which is a nice surprise. Mm. Yeah, it it is interesting. Like I think the big things are violence and nudity and different countries is culture just treat that stuff differently you know like in the u.s it's ah whatever you know they're we're pretty open to, to whatever nudity people get weird about um but violence is very open i know some countries are different like i remember i think it was left for dead two maybe yeah it was left for dead two the, that cover had to get censored because i guess depending on if when you do the peace sign depending on which way you're po- you're your hand is pointing if your palm is facing outwards or your or the you know palm of your hand or your back hand's facing forward one's bad or one's good you know okay or whatever in certain parts of the country i think somewhere in europe uk maybe ben is that correct doing this yeah, exactly. so, you or up yours if, or whatever if I, if I do that to you with my palm facing outwards it's the back fuck of your you hand, or you up, up yours yeah sorry the back of my hand outwards it's like fuck you or up yours and if it's the other way it's the peace sign yeah, they so with the palm out is is you know good. 
okay so yeah that's what it was because there were some places where um they had to to flip it to make it okay and then other places (laughs) got the back of the hand or whatever and like it was was it was a whole thing but um i don't also know left for dead because that game i still play left for dead too and that game to this day holds up i don't know it's a quick game but also the violence that game is so insanely brutal in the dismember and so like that i know countries like australia um we're censoring it because they're like yeah that shit's way too violent you know and that that does happen Mm. i think that's usually when you look at um places censoring games it's usually about the violence or your germany and you don't like wolfenstein because there's swastikas Mm. which is another whole thing over there too i i think um the thing in germany makes sense i think because they don't want fictionalizations of nazis to yeah, like and they have, paint, they have paint them in a light that isn't too. just the truth. Yeah, yeah. and they're, they're so, so on it with teaching uh, the, at the schools there. Like, everybody in the schools there has to go on a trip to a concentration camp when they're in in, in school. Yeah, I wish America like, they, did that regarding slavery. Uh, we don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so they, they're completely, like, they're, they're focused on those things. But I remember I did a review for a Tactics Remastered. Do you guys know the game Commandos 2? Uh, it sounds familiar. Yeah, so it's like a right now. it's like an army tactics game that uh, Calypso Media they remastered it in HD for uh, all the consoles. I think I reviewed it on Switch. I gave it a five because it wasn't very good. <laughs> um, oh yeah, I, but, I see it here. Yeah, but they what they did with it was they removed a lot of the imagery. So I think uh, there's Nazi imagery and also Japanese imperial sim- symbols removed. Mm. And they did that because they're a German company. And oh. they didn't want war symbols in their game, but they did that for the version that went everywhere. And if they were making a game from scratch, I'd kind of understand it because it's like, oh, you know, we don't want to work on things that aren't going to be shown in our home country. But they must have had to take them out of the game, so like they could have just left them in there for everybody else, right? I- I'm not sure whether that's simplifying the process of remastering a game, but yeah, I, think I thought it maybe, was really weird. I think maybe it was like we're censoring it because of this reason in our country but we feel this strongly about it maybe they felt strong enough that they yeah. they wanted to censor take that out, out for everywhere or maybe just yeah. so everyone has the exact same experience too so you could look at it either way my yeah. personal opinion i it sounds like it's more of just a cultural thing just like yeah this nazi stuff's not cool um we're not mm. gonna put that just in this game in general just no one's gonna have nazi stuff because yeah. we don't want that there is a very good novel that explains, I think, well, personally, I think it explains uh, the German sentiment past World War II or after World War II, um, how they were kind of assimilating what had happened and how they were kind of uh, starting to separate themselves from that, from that, from that image. Uh, it's called The Clown by, and I'm going to butcher the name, but it's, um, if I'm not mistaken, it was Heinrich, Heinrich Boll. And it's essentially a guy that comes back to his um, home place in in some city in Germany, and he works as a clown. And the entire novel is him calling people um, in, from from his family and his friends, I think, and how he reflects on how they used to be when uh, it was Nazi Germany and how they're acting now and how those two worlds are sort of uh, clashing. And it's very interesting. Um, so. To some extent, I guess it makes sense to not want to rekindle, I guess, whatever uh, you want to call it, uh, what had happened there. And I don't know. I mean, some censoring or some changing of the games to fit a certain uh, cultural whatever may seem to be... um, What's the word that I'm looking for? It may seem to be um, justified or, or in good faith. But the thing is that there is nothing you can do to censor that's not going to get out as a censored product. Like if you're in India and you're playing Fallout 3 and you you never saw the Brahmin because you can have cows, uh, mutated cows with two heads in India because they're, uh, they, they're just a sacred animal. That's one thing, but the thing is that the, the Indians are going to find out through the internet that that's not the way the cows were portrayed originally. They're going to know that, that, that it's a different version. So how effective is it really to censor, especially when we have the internet? Yeah, you can. there's always a, a workaround to get another copy, essentially, like an, another country's version of that game. 
I think my yeah. favorite um, thing of a game being censored, though, was uh, South Park, the stick of truth. Because, <laughs> so that because in Europe, Ben, you probably I don't know if you did you play stick of truth, Ben? Yeah, I did. didn't well, play it. No. Oh, okay. Oh, well, if you're European like yourself and you played that game, you would have zero uh, references to anal probing as all five references <laughs> to anal probing was removed from that game. And also there was a... An Why? <laughs> there was an abortion minigame too um, that, they, that they cut Well, that's also. a bit much. Um, that's, that's, quite, that's tough. Forget about the abortion minigame. There is a, an enemy or a series of enemies that are Nazi fetuses yeah uh, there's a there's a shit ton of nazi like nazi zombie stuff and yeah, there, yeah. you get to a point where you fight nazis uh fetuses. you know did you know that the uh that the sound the, the sounds uh the speech of the of the nazi zombies or the nazi fetuses are actually like speed up uh speech from hitler oh yeah i think that sounds uh, I familiar think I... <laughs> I think i've heard that yeah um and to no surprise germany were not big fans of that and they <laughs> censored the hell out of that game Obviously. And, mm. and the, the thing is it's not even like because ben you didn't play stick of truth it's not a small part of the game that you deal with nazi stuff it's a huge it's part a of the game it's like it's a, it's a whole part of the main plot of the game is at people getting turned yeah. into not, nazi zombies and yeah. so you're fighting nazis you see swastikas throughout a lot of that game like through at least a good yeah. chunk of it so um yeah a lot of that game was censored I, which no surprise i think it's interesting because i think game makers especially now must really be thinking about what they can and can't put in their games to think of like uh, an international audience like rainbow six siege edited out some se- sexually suggestive imagery so that they could release in china but they edited it out across the board and lots of people from the community got up in arms about it because they're like, we're the, in the US, why are you changing things for China, blah, blah, blah. And it's the same with Blizzard. I think like a large amount of the reason why Blizzard does anything and a lot of their, the way their games look is designed so that they can be released in China without any issues. Because yeah. China's very strict on release policy of games. Yeah, and I, I can't imagine brutal. like yeah. you're sitting That's... on a dev team and you think, I want to make this thing. And then somebody, you know, five floors above you says, oh, but we won't be able to sell in this market if you do that, so you can't do that. Well, like, there, a, there must be, like, big discussions about that now. There is a South Park episode about that, essentially. It's called <laughs> Band, Band in China, and it's it's actually like that. Uh, like, um, Stan makes a band, and there is a like, manager that wants to essentially throw them, uh, put them out there. But they had to change their music and their videos to fit uh, the Chinese market, because that's, like, the big sell point, right? And... Yeah, I think that that's that's a very big problem. Like uh, they had that issue with the um, Star Wars: The Force Awakens poster where they removed uh, Boyega, Yo, John Boyega, I think is the name, and they just removed yeah. it for the Chinese version of the poster. And it's never been said officially, but the, the belief is that it's because he's black. And I think you see that a lot. Yeah, I think it happens a lot with posters. Either the people of color are, are shrunk down or, or completely or they change completely the poster for out. China. Yeah, and you can have uh, homosexual relationships in games or movies in mm-hmm. China. You have to uh, completely scratch that out or change it to fit that market. And I think that's that's wrong. I mean, that's all kinds of wrong because you're making a game, and if your plot or your game calls for a uh, character that is um, uh, homosexual or any sexuality that you, that you need it to be because that's the way the story goes in your head. You shouldn't have to change that to fit uh, some market. Unfortunately, yeah. it is the largest uh, market in the world. And then we have to wonder what is it that we're doing by censoring and where is censoring uh, becoming too much? Because I think uh, by, let's say, Germany not wanting absolutely any swastikas or any Nazi um logos or ideology in their games. Um, I see the point that they have with that, but essentially, what are you gaining by denying it? By denying it? You mm. essentially only build people that are becoming historically um, illiterate to the point where you have neo-Nazis in places like Mexico even. And that's ridiculous because uh, that, that will be the first uh, people that fall under a uh, Nazi regime and they are uh, or they claim to be Nazis, right? So that's what I call um, history, historical illiteracy or um, historical amnesia. Or I don't know. I don't know what to call it, but it, to some at some point there is um, 
there is a disservice when you start censoring too much. I get not wanting to be associated with uh, swastika when you're in Germany and maybe it's 1955 or 1960 and the year and the war was maybe 10 or 10, 15 years ago. That makes a lot of sense, mm-hmm. but uh, I mean, it's almost, I mean, it's been what, 80 years now? Yeah. Well, yeah. At some yeah. point, you have a lot of people who are uh, being born that don't know what was that and they didn't leave it. And they're going to create their own opinions and just ignoring the fact that something happened, it's not going to make it go away. But I think, no, I think, um, yeah, go ahead, G- Germany's laws are a bit more nuanced than we, we made them out there. So, like, films, like, a lot of types of art can use it. I think they just had a big issue with games because games are kind of treated more like entertainment than is art. So, like, Inglorious Bastards, the Tarantino film, that was allowed to have loads of Nazi imagery in it and it was shown there. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think there is nuance there. So they do still show it. I just think maybe the way they see video games is different to the way they see other medium. Yeah, a lot of governments yeah. in general are just way behind in terms of looking at... A lot of people in general are way behind on yeah. looking at games. It There's constant improvements and stuff like that, but there is that. I think it's a weird balance because you have to think of your creative integrity of we want to tell this story with this LGBT character or you're going to be shooting a bunch of Nazis. So we're going to have swastikas all over the place as you spill Nazi blood, you know, whatever, we know, whatever it is, you have to be like, this is a story we want to tell. But then you also have to, you do have to consider because there is a, there's cultural differences and stuff like that. You know, there are things like, I know a lot of Asian countries, not just China, censor a lot of violence and stuff like that. Japan censors a lot of violence stuff because, because culturally they're not okay with like super extreme Mm -hmm. violence like that, you know, so stuff like that makes sense. But you do get into the point where, like Louis said, there can be problematic things if you are censoring things because you essentially can create ignorance. If people, if, if someone has never seen a you know a gay character in a movie, TV show, video game, book, whatever, they may come to you know some false I you know viewpoint towards that community, you know. But you really can teach people a lot when they play something like The Last of Us Part Two and they see a lesbian couple. You know, I remember I actually remember. Um, there was a story someone posted on Twitter, someone being like, hey, my some family member of mine was super homophobic and stuff like that. But because they they saw The Last of Us 2 Part 2 or they played The Last of Us Part 2, one of those two, um, they, but they experienced The Last of Us Part 2 and saw that relationship and saw how Dina and Ellie cared for each other. It changed this person's whole point of view about that whole community and have radically changed their views based on that. So you can really educate people and make people better people based on the stories you tell, you know, it's just like any sort of any medium. Cause like Ben said, governments may not see video games as art, but guess what? Video games mm-hmm. are art. You know, they have something to say. Yeah. They can have something to say. They usually don't, but they can, you know, you really can have a platform with these games. So yeah. it does, it can be a disservice to your, essentially your community. Um, if you censor certain parts of games like that. So it, it's a tough balance you have to think and i think it's always it's always the situation is always different based on the game but also based on what country you're talking about and the context to it because there's so much context to it you know like it's one thing to have nazi zombies and nail probing in south park but it's another to deal with um nazis and wolfenstein you know because that game tells a lot deeper of a story and has a lot more nuance to it about nazis south park has no message about not the nazi stuff so maybe one's viewpoint about that may differ maybe they'll have different feelings about south park because it's satirical and it's just comedic versus again it's tackling it on a more serious note so i think people just need to look at more of the nuance i think people are too quick to looking at things and black and white you know especially with people who don't know anything about video games who make these decisions to censor stuff you know like people in government who are like oh games nah i don't want that stuff no we don't want violent you know violent video games or whatever because they have some weird viewpoint because they watched uh, some report on cnn back in the 90s saying mortal Kombat is going to make your kids a serial killer or whatever you know it's like uh, it's like it's like come on it's 2021 get with the times you know oh i mean yeah. you still had the, the crazy story uh from the u.s about that guy that was that had like a hard on for for rockstar and and the gta game what was his name jack thompson jack, yeah, let me... i think so 
yeah, Jack Thompson uh, tried to do it um, constantly, especially after the um, the hot coffee, whatever um, happened. Uh, and it never came to fruition. And it's like, I don't know. I mean, there are some so many weird things about about censoring things. Um, uh, I'm gonna go a little bit off topic here, but let's take for instance the book 1984. That book has been censored both for being pro-communist and for being anti-communist at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I mean, it it's really like, it's like which one is it? You know. Uh, it's very clear when you when you understand the book, but that's not the point. The point is that different uh, groups of people can see something completely different, and that's in, that's that's a yeah. uh, point to it. Uh, GTA is always getting uh, requests for being banned, which are never coming to fruition precisely because of the uh, First Amendment. Is it the First Amendment? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, the First Amendment in the U.S. So that's probably never going to happen. There are some games that have been banned in in the states. Uh, there are pretty uh, obscure games that aren't really uh, all that known from what I was uh, reading. There are a game called Mutiny, um, Custer's Revenge. These games I've never heard of. Oh, Hatred. I did hear about Hatred. Hatred I remember Hatred. That one stirred up so much controversy yeah. and then it came out and everyone's like, oh, it's really not that bad as people made it out to be. And also, it's just not that good of a game. All right, whatever. <laughs> you know, like, but that game leading up to that release, that game was yeah. so dramatic. Everyone, even the gaming community was like, geez, this is pretty extreme based on the presentation. <laughs> and then when you actually saw it, you go, oh, that's it's not that bad. It's, it's what Yeah, it's a bit too much. I think it's okay to limit games um, based on age. And that's why uh, there is the ES rb and i think that makes a pretty good job to it if you're a parent and you're buying games for your kid and you're not caring about what the esrb rating is well that's on you not, not on your kid i mean the kid's gonna want to play whatever they're gonna want to play right um yeah. i remember playing the first god of war uh when i wasn't yet 17 i may have been 14 15 and i was playing it with my dad so i mean uh <laughs> that, that was on him too right and, and he was at the moment like oh this is uh, pretty gruesome right and I was like, well, I mean, I already played Resident Evil 4. I mean, this is really nothing. Mm -hmm. But you didn't know that I was playing that, right? Yeah. And I mean, there's only so much that you can control when it comes to people doing what they want to do. Uh, I think the ESRB uh, does a good enough job at that. And going back to the topic, does anybody know why China banned Football Manager 2005? No idea. <laughs> it's, 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 on the, it's on the list here. And I don't know. About. I love Football Manager. I've been playing it since I was a child, and there's no. Well, it, all I can say is there's a lot of black people in Football Manager because there's lots of black people who play football. Oh, so maybe that was it. <laughs> shit, maybe, maybe. Yeah, if that's maybe. the reason that that's that the is out quote of order, here is it posed harm to the country's sovereignty and territorial integrity. <laughs> well, that what doesn't does mean that anything. Mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's just communist talk. That is, oh, I didn't man. even know about that because it's it's not my type of game or whatever. But um, that's, that's nuts. And I guess uh, Tibet and Taiwan also um, are sure. part of that too. It's independent yeah. countries, maybe that's also why. Yeah, I guess yeah. it broke some big Chinese law um, that's <laughs> on, meant to protect their, game, you know, um, their gamers or whatever, uh, people yeah. or whatever. And it's just like, that's, I don't know. You get, I think you, there's you some... get into weird stuff that I just I don't agree with, but of course I don't live in that country, so you know people can take my opinion with a grain of salt because I'm just some white dude I don't know. living in California. But I think there's a difference between cultural differences and the government doesn't let people of color or people of different sexualities, not heteronormative sexualities, be in media. That's not a cultural difference. That is full on <laughs> censorship. Whereas like anime girls you know that are seemingly underage that if japan japanese people want to do that and that's their business it feels like it's less of a place where we can say that's plain wrong whereas well, like banning people of color in any media is just yeah, exactly clearly wrong yeah. whereas other bits of gray areas i think harder to I mean, say how the culture works two things you know can I mean? be Two things can be true. As long as a country is known or a certain group of people is known for a certain trait, that's essentially what makes it culture because it's what sets them apart for, for from anybody else. Like there is, um, uh, let's say in, in Russia, where I think it's actually legal to be homosexual, but I don't believe that's even really all that enforced. 
on the mansion unless you're a politician. It, whatever. I think it's a it's a it's a pretty big deal against the LGBT community you, over the, there. There's a, it, yeah, there's a lot of violence against them in Russia. But that is but that is but that is a cultural trait of Russians. I'm not saying that it's right, and I don't think it's right at all. Uh, but it can be considered as a cultural thing as as much as Muslims are in some countries. Not all of them are um, stunning gay people too. That's also all kinds of wrong in my book. But it's still a cultural trait because that's what they're known for. Yeah, it, cultural stuff. Yeah, you you do it is hard to cast judgment. Yeah, I don't know. Not part of that culture. Yeah, I, I mean, still feel like one hard. is like one like has hate in it. One is about not liking other people, whereas mm-hmm. you know, p- women with big boobs in J- Japanese art to me is like ridiculous. But to them, it doesn't it doesn't hurt anyone. It's not about saying to somebody you're less than me or I don't like you because of X or Y. It's just like we make manga with, you know, mad designs or like any other example of like a culture where I don't get it. Yeah, as long as it's not hurting people, I kind of think, you know, you do you. Yeah. And I'm right there with you. I mean, I think that yeah. as long as uh, as long as you're doing what you're doing with a consensual adult, uh, whatever, you know, <laughs> more more power to you. Yeah. And I don't agree when people are uh, putting down people, but I also believe that these are cultural traits. It's like the whole uh, bullfighting thing in Spain. Like people say, some people defend it as a cultural trait, and some people uh, attack it as a barbaric uh, ritual, or whatever that shouldn't be happening anymore. And the thing is that mm. both can be true because it is a cultural trait because Spain is known for uh, its wolf fight and I can still be a fucking against it because it's animal cruelty. So, that, I mean, both, yeah. both things can be true. Yeah, it, people can make up their own opinions and stuff like that. Yeah, it, it's, it's just when you get to the government censorship, stuff like that, you know, like some of the issues with China, like, you know, ma- football yeah. manager 2005 or whatever, <laughs> you know, or yeah, yeah stuff like that. I. Sometimes I get it. Sometimes I don't. And sometimes if I don't get it, that doesn't mean it's necessarily wrong. I think it's, it's you really have to look at the nuance of these things. But um, have you guys ever uh, seen a football manager game? No, I've never basically. <laughs> yeah, so I, I've I've played them my whole life, and it's just it's just a lot of spreadsheets with yeah. different players and their names, and you know different statistics, and you know spreadsheet of all the upcoming games, and you're putting different people in different places. And I think, what was the quote again? It was a threat to their sovereignty. Yeah, yeah, their sovereignty. <laughs> that's yeah. so funny. I think that's hilarious. It's like, yeah. uh, I don't know like exactly what right? it did to threaten their sovereignty, but either way, it's it's <laughs> funny just to see that wording t- tied to football manager. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but really I think weird. that's, it, oh, sorry, Luis, were you going to say? Uh, yeah, it's very weird. I think I'm, I've never played it, but I've seen it. And it's sort of like a simulation, right? You don't actually play a game. You just put them and it works out according to their, to their stats, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, you basically, it's like you stick in a load of inputs in and then you press play and then you watch it happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know I know what the game it is. I just never played it. Man, as someone who doesn't yeah. care for sports, especially sports-related video games, man, that sounds... Well, uh... It sounds like something, <laughs> all right. But hey, at least it has an audience. So hey, you know, who am I to judge? You there was a story the about you want to play. There was a story about a player that actually went on to manage an actual team. I don't know if that was. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know the details of that, but I, I think like in in England, uh, games like Total War and Football Manager, kind of it, it, developed by English people for computers. Everybody I know from my age group is obsessed with them. Like most of my friends, most of my friends who, you know, just play FIFA, like all of us play FIFA over here. If they only play FIFA, the only other game they play is Football Manager. Like they don't play anything else. Like we, a lot of people play stuff like that. It's quite yeah, a big deal. Here too, they, they play a lot of FIFA. They're also big soccer fans in Mexico, you know. Yeah, it's. Yeah. I think it's, I think the those soccer like soccer games do really well in the U.S., but it's not like a talking point. You know, it's it's more of like a niche yeah. thing where it has a good a, a substantial audience, but it, they're not like talking or anything like that, or it's not very loud. Yeah. You know, because um, I, I can't. Everybody buys FIFA. Yeah, it's like everybody I know buys FIFA, and we can all we all play on like the hardest difficulty if we play against the computer. Like everybody is like everybody I know is better at FIFA than me. And I play more video games than anybody I know. So, like, <laughs> FIFA's like a thing that just yeah. everybody just knows inside out. I 
I would be shocked if a single friend of mine owned a sports-related video game outside of Rocket <laughs> League. I, I do love Rocket League. I will say that. So, hey, Rocket I do League's play right, a FIFA-like yeah. game. <laughs> if you want to count that. I'll, I'll count it, you know. It's the closest the thing only, I, can, I can get to, to sports to enjoy. The, the only sports game that I actually enjoyed was um, the NFL Street 2, I think it is. But it's because it's it's insane. You can run through um, on walls, like vertically on walls, and you have power ups, and it's just you know all over. Yeah, I think that that, that was a very good one. Uh, but it's the only sports game that I can tolerate that I could stomach. I do play Rocket League, but I, I mean that's not a sports game really. Well, I think we'll probably continue our sports conversations off the podcast, but we've, gone, been we've a... gone off topic, haven't we? <laughs> That's okay. No worries. But hey, great episode, guys. It was a lot of fun t- chatting with you guys, as always. Um, just for our audience to know, King Gamer podcast comes out every Thursday, so you can always check us out, um, you know, talk about video games, talk about news, talk about random stuff like this, you know, whatnot. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Thank you so much. Yes, sir.